Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. So once again, welcome. And if you're checking in with us for the first time or the first time in a while, we're knee-deep right in the middle of a sermon series that we're entitling, What Now?, and looking at what it will mean to be a post-pandemic church with a post-pandemic faith. Won't re-preach the sermons, but week one we said, you know what, we are going to gather in some very different places, and so the places where we gather are going to be different, and that's okay. And then last week our sermon was entitled, Eyes Up Here, and we saw Peter walking on the water, but then him paying attention to the water more than to Jesus, and we said, Yes, we are going to be called to walk on some of these mediums that maybe we never have before, but the key is to keep our eyes on Jesus always. And in this way, we realize that this post-pandemic world we're readying ourselves for is not not apart from the gospel, it's just a different way of doing the gospel which the church has always and everywhere done. So this week we're on sermon number three, next week we'll conclude this series, But I'm wondering as we begin this morning, have you ever had somebody say something to you and it hits you just kind of in a funny way? You knew it was true, but then when somebody else says it to you, you're like, oh wow, like I never thought about it that way before. Some of those times in my life was like the first time that somebody called me an alumnus of Westminster High School. I was like, wait, what? Oh yeah, I guess that's true, isn't it? I remember the first time... um, that uh, somebody called Jenny and I Mr. and Mrs. Chamberlain. I wasn't reverend yet. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess when you say it, it, like, I knew it. I was aware. I was clearly aware of it. And like, oh, well, shoot. Yeah, when you put it that way, it's kind of cool. I also know the first time, and it was an adult who called me daddy for the first time. You know, or maybe it was the first time somebody said, hey, you know what? You're hired. You're an employee of this particular place. You know, those things that you know in your head, but when, when it comes out of somebody else's mouth, it catches you, off, uh, catches you off guard a little bit. It happened to me the other day. I'm just hanging out, having a conversation with a buddy of mine, and he looked at me and said, well, guess you're a televangelist now. Excuse, what? Excuse me? I was like, Whoa. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It hit me the wrong way. I have a history with televangelists, and I've watched televangelists do some really awful things. And so, for me, like, that word is not a means of, that means, it doesn't mean a way of communicating. There's a lot of baggage and emotional weight with that word. So, I kind of, I was like, that kind of upset me for a moment, and anyway, I've always been committed to local ministry. That's why I stay in Carroll County and don't go to like Chicago. Like I love the idea of a, I love the idea of building ministry and building relationships instead of building platforms. But when you let your heart slow down for a second, you know what? It's true. We have entered into a place now where every church, and yes, by extension, pastors, but this, let's not talk about pastors. Let's talk about church. Every church has the potential for global reach. Not just regional, I'm talking seriously global reach. Every church now is having conversations that can reach just about anyone on the planet. And if you think for a moment that, well, gee, that's not going to happen. Yeah, we're not going down that road because everybody is just screened out to death. 
Might I invite you to go check out Instagram or TikTok for a moment and see that we are far from screened out. Rather, it's increasingly how we are processing the world in which we find ourselves. It may be entirely true that you are screened out, and I know that when this pandemic's over, if anybody ever says Zoom to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freak. But just because you and I are tired does not mean the world is tired of screens. It doesn't matter if you want to engage with screens. It doesn't matter if you don't, if you don't want to be a part of a church that has a global reach. It doesn't really matter. This is the reality in which we find ourselves. And so whatever we put out there can now be consumed by literally anyone. If you're on Facebook, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, which we are, you're a global church. And if you put good stuff out, that good stuff goes to the world. You put bad stuff out, that bad stuff goes out to the world. And if you put no stuff out, that too is a message to the world. This unsettles me. Some of you have been very kind and gracious and say, you know, hey, it seems like you've adjusted to being on camera pretty well. Thank you, but I'm trying to tell you in my soul, this, this bothers me a little bit. Because when you're settled into a congregation which again is the ministry that I signed up to do. You learn a certain way of talking, you learn inside jokes, you learn story and history. You, you can learn a way of speaking that communicates to a people familiar with each other. There is indeed, friends, safety in these walls. And when it's just what happens inside these four walls, we create a way of being together and we can be authentically ourselves in ways that doesn't, that doesn't upset the world. We might talk in ways that other people would find odd, but there's safety in these walls. Now it's true it'll always be that way to some extent, but people will interact now with our words, our videos, our pictures, etc. People will interact with our content long before they enter this space. So to meet folks, you've got to risk it. You've got to get out there, and that is there's a way in which that is terrifying for me because I don't always know how to talk about things in the right way. I might know how to talk about it to you, but the way the world talks about it sometimes is a very different thing. I'm a straight white guy from Carroll County. There are just things that are a part of me. But whether you're like me and it scares you a little bit or whether you're not like me and you're like, hey, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to the church, love it or hate it, we are televangelists with a potential worldwide reach and our message matters. And if we are televangelists, then this is where I kind of want to, this is what I want to talk about today. If we are televangelists, then for better or for worse, we are all content producers. It's part of who we are. It's part of what it means to be a church. I don't mean to say that we should all be aspire to be TikTok stars or to have a hot Twitter feed. But what, what I'm saying is what we produce will enormously shape our presence in the world positively or negatively. Yes, brothers and sisters, relationship still matters. Relationship is always going to be the bedrock of our faith. It's critical to our faith, not just to our culture. In-person physical experience is always going to be at the heart of what we do. And yes, we'll continue to invite people to literally come around the table, which, whether it's those tables out there for fellowship or this table here for worship, we'll always be inviting people to be together. But rest assured that engagement with content going forward will drive that attendance. Folks are not going to wander in and then engage with our content. 
They will engage with what it is we are producing and then make a decision about whether they want to engage with us in person or not. Content precedes in person. The world has changed in that respect. To that end, we must be vigilant in learning how we want to be in these spaces and how to use content to communicate clearly, precisely, and with love. But church, we don't have to be afraid of content. Content, new content can be scary, but we don't have to be afraid of the concept of content. Our spiritual stories, every one of them, yours included, is shaped by content. Almost every one of you can certainly remember back to a sermon that somebody preached. That you're like, wow, that really hit me in a particular way. Or a favorite song or hymn. A physical space. Or even an experience that was curated for us. Sunday school, Bible school, a Bible study, a retreat. Something along those lines that changed your life and set you on a different trajectory. Every one of us, our faith is shaped by content. I remember when this struck me in a particular way. I was at a writing workshop in Minnesota. I was at St. John's Monastery in Collegeville, Minnesota of all places. By the way, while I was there, nobody told me the mosquitoes that are just a regular part of Minnesota life. Figured that out, but beside the point... There's a monastery there, and they're praying every day, so I'm like, shoot, I'm going to pray with the monks, which is exactly what I did, and I was in awe as I went to pray with them. The monks' prayer book and their prayers is content. It wasn't particularly well-produced content. They just showed up and prayed, but it was content nevertheless. The gospel, friends, is content. It's the Bible, it's our prayers, yes, it's our physical spaces, it's the meal that we share together. The church has always and everywhere thought about content because sharing the good news of the gospel is content. It is a message and it matters immensely. So regardless of what the content is, whether it is content that makes sense to us that we're used to consuming or it's content that is more virtual in nature, which maybe we're not so, in, so used to consuming, regardless, our faith just consumes content. It's part of who and what we are. The problem the church now faces is that we're used to having the corner on content and that's where things have changed. It used to be that the only gospel content people could consume is the stuff that was produced right here. The only real pressure for churches back in the day in terms of content was from the church down the street. That was the only one that we'd have to be afraid of. If their content's better than ours, oh my gosh, we're in trouble. That's no longer the case. Each of you, and please don't do this, but each of you right now can log off and log on to, uh, to the feed of a thousand preachers more powerful, more knowledgeable, and more inspirational than yours truly. You can do it right now. You can access right now, not late, I'm talking like literally this instant, you can access churches with a more polished and experienced online experience than this one. No offense, Rob and Josh, you guys are beautiful, but just saying, their churches have been doing this for 30 years. You can go find them right now. Content is critical and crucial, but if the game, friends, is just to put something out there, just to try to impress someone with a message, we'll lose that battle every time. We can produce the best content. We can have the best websites, the best produced service, the best podcasts, the best social feed, Bible studies, add it all up, and it won't significantly move the needle an inch. I'm telling you right now. 
And make matters worse, we have a generation that has been contented to death. They know what good content looks like, and they know what bad content looks like, and they know what is advertising and what is genuine. So how do we see a future when we are forced to be content producers, and maybe not forced, but even just invited because we are people of the gospel? We are gospel people, therefore we are content producers. How do we see a future where we have to be content producers, where our faith demands that we produce that content, and yet it's almost certain that that content will never be the best, that we'll never actually be influencers in the world? we look to Jesus. And here's one final whoa statement for today. Jesus was a content producer. We can learn something from Jesus. This conversation around content and the way that content works is reflected for me most powerfully in one of my favorite stories in the Bible, which is always going to be Luke 24. This road to Emmaus. So check it out. We have a story. Prior to the story, Jesus is crucified. Jesus is resurrected. He is met with the apostles. But there are these two guys who are leaving the city of Jerusalem, which you would do too if the leader that you thought was going to conquer the world is suddenly dead and you haven't found his body. You too would get out of town. So they're like, we out of here, fellas. This is over. So unbeknownst to these two very sad apostles, Jesus pulls up and joins them, which would not have been an uncommon occurrence in those days. It's not safe back in those days to travel by yourself, so you do it in groups. So they discover this dude, he's there, all right, come on, jump on in. But they don't know it's Jesus. And so Jesus, doing what all of us do, is like, what you doing? What you talking about? And these guys are incredulous. They're almost offended, and they just look at him saying, don't you know? Like, where have you been? Their hearts are heavy. They're upset, and they respond to Jesus with a mocking tone. And they go on to explain the entire story. And, here, and the words that are just dripping with sadness are like, we had hoped. We had hoped he was going to be the one to set it all right. Now let's break this down for a moment. Let's bring this into the current day. First, are we not also in a world that had hoped certain things, only to see them dashed upon the rocks of empire, inequality, and violence? Are we too, in so many ways, not running away from the world because we're like running away from all of this because we're like, oh my gosh, everything is coming apart? Do we not, in so many ways, feel the burden of expectation crushed under a dark and omnipresent reality? It seems like every single day there's more news that just makes us go, Ugh. So Jesus slides in, though. And he's like, hey, fellas, I got, I, I got something for you. And he starts sharing. It's uninvited, but hey, who cares? You've got a long, there's a, it's a long road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And it says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus starts to share. Jesus produces content. Jesus is preaching, he's illustrating, he's connecting, he's interpreting. He's doing all the things that we aspire to do as a church each and every day. Helping people make sense of their story and the wider story of God's grace in the world. And friends, wouldn't that content have been fabulous to digest? Wouldn't you have loved to have just tagged along in that group? To have just walked alongside and asked questions as this conversation unfolded. As Jesus produced content for these two 
disciples. And here's the thing, over time, we see that that content changes their attitudes. Content makes a difference in their lives. Where once they were rude because underneath of it all, they were so weighed down with sadness and darkness. Where once there was skepticism and mockery, now when they pull up to this house to stay for the night, they say there's this strong urge to have him stay. Where they started saying, get out of here, dude, you're a mess. They're like, actually, we kind of like you. Would you hang out with us for the night? Here's what I want you to hear. Good content changes attitudes. It doesn't change minds necessarily. It changes attitudes. Meeting people where they are and creating information and experiences that meet them in their spaces changes attitudes, changes hearts especially in an information age, when we are accustomed to processing information, content is a way to conversation. We don't know what Jesus said, but we know what it did to his hearers. We don't know the content, but we can see the effect that it had on the people he journeyed with. Reminds me of the old adage, people won't remember what you say, they'll remember how you made them feel. Content is so much more than information, it is invitation to conversation. But Jesus doesn't stop there, does he? Jesus is not just pouring out information. That's where one of the places where we think we're following Jesus and we really kind of mess it up because discipleship is not just the uploading of information into somebody else's brain. No, it's something more than that. And the church would be wise to see that Jesus has a second step to his content production. And it says that they go in, they sit down around the table, and in very particular words, it says Jesus took the bread and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it. And anybody who has sat around this table for any amount of time knows those are Eucharistic words. Jesus doesn't end with content. Content opens the door to connection. This is such a contrast to sometimes when church thinks that having the best content, the best website, preacher, music, whatever, is what brings people to church. It might, in the short term, it might make a difference, yes, but when it stops there, when the church doesn't take that content and lean it into connection and relationship, what the church actually ends up doing is proclaiming a different gospel, which is a gospel of consumerism. It says, just come and, con- just come and consume our content rather than come and be a part of something. No, Jesus goes the next step. He says, fellas, here's the information. Here's the conversation. Now let's eat. And in the eating of that meal, it says their eyes were opened and they recognized him. These dual stories of content and connection are what bring people to the life-changing joy of the gospel in their hearts not as information to be consumed, but as a lived reality in their lives. And we were talking about attitude. Can you hear where their attitude ends up? It says, did not our hearts burn within us as he shared? They remembered what he had said. It changed their attitude. Now their hearts are burning with joy and with passion because the connection had been made. 
And then they go and share. The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened to them in the breaking of bread. Content led to connection, which led to, (laughs) puts a smile on my face, evangelism. They weren't televangelists, but they sure were evangelists. Content and connection creates witness and testimony. And it is instructive that this story of content and connection is one of the final stories that Luke writes in his gospel before he turns to his second book, which is the book of Acts. This story sets us up for the explosion of growth that the church experiences in its early days. And that that storyline is intended to be instructive for us. Produce the best content that you can. Doesn't mean produce the best content. Just do the best you can. Elsewhere in the Bible it says, do all things as if you were doing it for the glory of God. Do everything as best you can for sure. Love the gospel. Love its stories. And be creative in developing content so that it speaks to the world in which we find ourselves. But never lose sight of the fact that that's only the first step. It's not the only step. The next step is to connect with people in those spaces once those conversations have opened up. So church... Get used to the idea our content now in a post-pandemic world will matter more than ever. How we preach, yes, I got to get better. Our social feeds, our outreach channels, yada, yada, yada. We could go on forever, but you know where this is headed. All of it matters. But never let us make the mistake that a Facebook feed or a website is actually going to make a difference in the lives of people. Content is essential, but it is never sufficient. I mean, let's ask ourselves the question, who cares if 100,000 people watch this service right now if we never know them, if we never share tables with them, and if the change we we expect to see in the world simply stays in the data cloud? Who cares about 100,000 likes? No, church. Everything we do produces content that must then lead to relationship. And when that happens, the gospel explodes. So let's push ourselves. Make good stuff. Learn. Fail. Get back up and do it again. Make good stuff. But then never forget that those who are consuming that, it's not a click, it's not a like, it's a soul. And let's connect with those souls. And in doing so, May we find ourselves loving more and more and more people, finding ourselves in more and more conversations so that attitudes are changed, so that connection can be made, and in that way, the gospel will go to the world. That's the example of Jesus. That is the example of the church from day one up until now. There is nothing new about it. We're just going in new spaces to do it. And it's so much fun, and it is life-changing when it is done well. Church, go produce content. Go connect with people and watch what Jesus does. Amen.